salutations and happy holidays, creature lovers. This is Mr. Venom welcoming you to episode four of No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts. I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Derek B. from Cinema Attack. How you doing, Derek? Uh, I see you survived that commentary, Venom. <laughs> oh, I owe you, sir. I owe you big time. <laughs> we'll discuss that later. <laughs> uh, and uh, also joining us, of course, Mr. Don and Ellie from the Graveyard Shit and the brand new Horror Countdown podcast. How you doing, Don? Ah, doing good. I'm finally glad to uh, be done with my um, Suffer the Holidays, as Venom mentioned, and uh, ready to get on with this uh, creature love. There you go. Awesome. Well, as it is December, as we record this, we are less than a week away from Christmas. Um, I thought I'd, I'd bring to the table maybe some of the f- movies that we like to watch during December. They can be holiday-related. They could be maybe winter-related. But obviously, as we are Creature Comforts, it's going to be something Creature Feature-related. Or it could be just something that means a lot to you, as will be the case with one of my selections. For the most part, folks, this is going to be Derek and myself. And if, if any of you guys don't know, Mr. Don is so busy with his you know, uh, horror writing and is, and now multiple podcasts that for the most part, he's not much of a rewatcher, but I'm sure Don will have more about more to say about that here in a little yeah. bit. Go so ahead. I'll, actually. Well, I'm just going to say the the one thing I do have is, uh, I always used to have a, uh, Godzilla marathon on El Rey TV for, um, the holiday season. Um, nice. El Rey on, uh, I think they started it on either the 20th or the 21st. They'd start doing, um, Kaiju Christmas, So, yeah, um, they used to just uh, air Godzilla movies and all the, you know, all of the uh, related films on repeat 24-7 until uh, the 26th. So that was uh, basically my uh, creature-related holiday rewatches. Because, like he said, I'm not much of a rewatcher unless there's a reason. So I'm not one that I have a lot of sentimentality attached to rewatching a specific film for a specific season or anniversary or something like that. That was basically like the one thing that I used to do because it was always, well, I'm going to give them the the credit for viewership because I want this on I want this on TV. So give them the the credit for doing that. But um, other than that, yeah, I, I, I don't have a lot of holiday traditions or rewatches or anything like that, even if I was to go outside and do like non-genre related, um, that's just me. So like he said, yeah, um, it's going to be you two guys from now on. So I just wanted to chime in first and get mine out of the way. (laughs) I thought Derek was going to say Don's a humbug. (laughs) Derek, why don't you come on in and tell us, uh, maybe, uh, some of the stuff that you like to watch during December that, you know, falls under our umbrella of creature feature. This one's going to be a weird one, but because uh, I don't know if you would act because when you get the final reveal of what is actually this creature, because uh, it, it comes very late in the movie, but then you get the reveal at the end uh, is Devil's Pass, uh, the Rennie Harlan film from Ooh. where you, th- you know, it's kind of hard. It's kind of the one that I like to bring up because. Is it a creature feature? Because then the reveal happens, and you're like, what? Yeah, it's a weird one. I I, I would go ahead and count it. because I mean, 
even though the creatures in question didn't start as creatures without giving away too much of what they are, um, I would say that they're solidly fairly creaturific by the time we get to the end of the movie. So I would I would probably allow it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's when I dig because it has that cold atmosphere. And and if anyone hasn't seen Devil's Pass, of course, that is based on the real-life event of the Dyatlov Pass uh, up in the Uran Mountains of Russia. Um, read up on that if you want to hear a really freaky-ass story. But, uh, Derek, go ahead, go ahead on uh, Devil's Pass. Yeah, yeah, Devil's Pass is... Uh, yeah, I just love the, the found footage aspect of that mm-hmm. movie. Uh, you know, Rennie Harlan's a very hit-and-miss director. Very, very hit and miss, but I think he came back hard after that shitty Exorcist prequel that he did. Oh, God. <laughs> really? I thought he was the better of the two. He is the better of the two. They're both shitty, though. Yeah, they're both not great. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm just saying that because I liked it. I liked his version. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that one a lot. Troll Hunter is another one I usually watch during this time period because of the sudden. Very uh, yeah, uh, you know, this is more of like a subgenre. Is I'm a yeah, it's it's kind of a vampire movie. It's called Frostbitten. It's a sweet kind of what I would describe it. It's like a Swedish version of Thirty Days of Night. Hmm. I've heard the title. I, I've probably seen the poster. I definitely have not seen the film. It's pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. The Last Winter, of course, is uh-huh. what I mean, Mister Venom. No. Uh, which is kind of like a psychological creature feature because you don't even know if the creatures are real in that one. Yep. <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, that's when I love the cold atmosphere to it. And, uh, of course, why could I not bring this one up? John Carpenter's The Thing, which I just actually just sure. rewatched recently. Uh, fantastic for more Christmas related shit like Krampus, a course. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Probably some of the Avalanche Sharks is pretty shitty, but I love it. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I'll throw this on just to have a laugh at you. Oh, know? hell yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, but, for me, obviously, I'm going to bring in a lot of the, the more basic stuff. I mean, how can I, how can we go without saying, mentioning gremlins, of course, you know, one of the, one of the just greatest family Christmas, uh, with a tinge of horror, if you will, horror comedies uh, that have ever been released. Just an absolute fun movie. Um, I mean, you either love Gremlins or you hate it. I, I don't know anybody who's on the middle with that one. And, of course, most of the people I know love it. But, you know, I, I got to bring it up. And, and of course, you got to bring up Gremlins, too, as that one also does count as a Christmas movie. Once again, taking place during the Christmas season. But, obviously, you know... Uh, a lot of people will look at something like a Gremlins and kind of scoff at some at us calling it a creature feature. But ultimately, yes, it's fun. Yes, it's funny. Um, it's kind of sappy at times, you know, with the warm, heartfelt ending, everything else. But ultimately, still one of my favorites. Derek, anything? Yeah. Uh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I like Gremlins. Awesome. Uh, you mentioned Krampus. Of course, Krampus is turning into a modern classic favorite for me. Since its release in 2015, it has been an absolute annual watch. And then, of course, with Scream Factory releasing uh, the 4K Blue this year, just in time for Krampus Night, it was uh, just a no-brainer for me. You know, I have no problem spending the money on something I'm going to watch every year so I can watch it at its highest quality. So, yeah, Krampus... 
an absolute favorite of mine. Now, there's the, this is another one that's going to kind of fall. I, I, I'm going to say this one's solidly not a creature feature, though there is a creature kind of revolving around the story that we unfortunately never see in the film. That's Rare Exports. I know Rare Exports is obviously about, you know, the uh, mass production of, you know, uh, Santa's helpers. But there is a creature that they find in the ice that unfortunately, you know, at, spoiler alert, uh, you don't actually ever get to see in the film, but they're, you know, they, they kind of imply that it could be the original Santa, it could, you know, it could be Krampus, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's kind of up to the viewer's interpretation, but it, it's something that I'll take any opportunity to mention because I fucking adore this movie. It's just, you know, whether you consider it a creature feature or not, and I would have no problem with anyone who doesn't consider it one. I just absolutely adore the film and it's it's a must watch for me. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, I mean, how can you not have fun with that one? Now, one one that came out this year, actually, I, I for the I got a 2021 movie to talk about is one that was kind of uh, divisive among the, uh, the genre fans. When it came out, it came out earlier this year. I forget the exact month that it came out, but we had a lot of it was very split down the middle. Most people were saying it was like overrated. A lot of people were saying, no, no, it's genuinely funny and, you know, a good you know, creature feature. And that movie is werewolves within. Now, like I said, uh, the movie does lean heavily on the comedy and that could turn off some horror fans. It could attract, you know, other non genre fans, but for, for whatever it's worth for me, the movie worked. I love that cast. I thought the, I thought it was legitimately funny being a werewolf movie. You know, it, it kind of goes with the traditional werewolf tropes of, you know, we just get glimpses of the creature throughout the film until we get the final big reveal at the end, blah, blah, blah. You kind of have to deal with that. So you're not getting creature action beginning to end, if you will. And like I said, it is solidly a horror comedy. There is a lot of comedy in it. So yeah. what do you think, Derek? Yeah, I, when I saw it, I, mm-hmm. I was hearing a lot of divisive things about it, and then when I watched it, I'm like, this is fucking Clue with a werewolf. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, that's <laughs> that's a great description. <laughs> you know, you know, it's like, yeah, you don't, you don't see a lot of the werewolf in the movie, but that makes up with, like, all the other shit, like the backstabbing and mystery of what's going on and trying to figure out who the werewolf is. Exactly, yes. I, I'm the same way. I didn't watch it right away when it came out. In fact, I probably didn't watch it for a good four or five months after it came out because a lot of what I had heard about it. I, it most of the people that I associate with were not high on it, so I didn't make it a priority to watch. But then I ended up watching it in October uh, you know, for 31 days, and absolutely loved it i just had an absolute blast with it i thought the main girl is uh, the at girl oh. oh she's so i saw the sign and opened up your eyes oh my yeah, god exactly <laughs> that yeah she's a beautiful lady um and she's very funny i mean she actually is a stand-up comedian out here in la yeah. she, she's a funny girl i've actually seen her live believe it or not she did it like an opening act for uh i think i was going to see kyle canane um at the uh what at the at the at the ice house up in Pasadena and she was one of the opening acts and it was funny as hell so yeah she legitimately has comedy chops obviously she's gorgeous so you know putting her in front of a camera is an easy decision but that whole cast like i said even though there may not be a lot of big names there you know our our main mailman character i thought he did a great job um our our kind of uh 
recluse character who lived out in the woods by himself that everyone thought was a the red herring. Yeah. Yes, the red herring, exactly. I love that character. He turned out to be really great. So yeah, Werewolves Within, that's definitely one that is kind of under-discussed. Now, another basic bitch one for me, because it is my second favorite horror film of all time, is, of course, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Once again, the winter feel, the isolation of it all, especially for someone like me, for those who don't know, I am originally from Connecticut. I currently live in California. All of my family is still on the East Coast. I have no family on the West Coast whatsoever, other than my wife, of course. So the winter isolation thing does tend to hit me a little bit. Granted, maybe not the winter part of it, like the snow, since I do live in Southern California. Uh, But my wife being a veterinary assistant at a 24-hour emergency animal hospital, hospital she tends to work some holidays and and a lot of nights and weekends so uh you know every two three years i might have to spend the christmas by myself and you know with all the family back east you know the shining is just one of those movies i pop right in you know it makes me feel for whatever it's worth it makes me feel even more isolated but it it also you know kind of helps me relate with the characters on the screen on top of the fact that i as i said it's my second favorite horror film of all time it's easily in my top 10 uh, films of all time just you know regardless of genre there's nothing really left to say about the shining that hasn't already been said it's it's an absolute classic whether you love it or you hate it i know there's at least one person on this show who's not a big fan and despite not agreeing with a lot of what he said when uh don reviewed this on the horror mafia i actually did agree a lot with a lot of what he said a lot of what don was saying makes sense it's like it's just a matter of how you interpret what you're watching i can easily see how someone could watch the shining and not even think it's a horror movie you know it's totally just a mindfuck movie where nothing really happens you can make that argument and that's fine but um obviously there's going to be a lot more people who like the movie and you know, kind of consider it the classic that many people do. Derek, where do you stand on The Shining? Oh, I love it. I just watched the 4K recently that I just got in. and Yeah. Yeah, I can see why people wouldn't like it, too, though. Absolutely. Even, like, you know, even the guy who wrote the fucking book hates the fucking book. <laughs> Obviously. You know. You know. Thankfully, but, uh, thankfully, it's warmed up a little bit over the years on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, you know... Uh, to each its own, you know. It's it, you know. I like exactly. it's, it's some of those big ones. You so I'm like, I gotta stay out of this before I fucking leave internet <laughs> for good. You know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right, folks, and then I have one more movie that I want to talk about for my December creature feature watches. Now, this movie has nothing to do with the holidays, and it has absolutely nothing to do with winter. The thing is, is that this movie comes from my absolute favorite franchise, or excuse me, one of my absolute favorite film franchises. It is a film that's not highly regarded within that franchise, but it was the first of the franchise that I ever saw. It left an endearing impression on me for obvious reasons, considering the other podcast that the three of us also uh, are part of. It makes absolute sense. And I I, I kind of declared my love for this movie when we reviewed it on Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. And, you know, I, I will be that guy who stands alone and says that he absolutely loves Godzilla versus Gigan 1972. Like I said, it, it has nothing to do with holidays. It has nothing to do with winter. 
But being that this was the first Godzilla movie I ever saw, and I instantly fell in love with the character, the franchise, I mean, the dubbing, even the dubbing at the you know was entertaining because of course I saw it in English on television. It is a movie that I return to every December, and let me tell you, folks, when I watch it, I get those same nostalgia you know, feelings deep in my gut that I watch, that I get by watching, you know, Charlie Brown or The Grinch That Stole Christmas or Emmett Otter, you know, any of the classic Christmas specials that we grew up with, I get the exact same feeling from Godzilla versus Gigan. So even whether it makes sense or not to anyone, it is one of my favorite December creature feature watches. In fact, I just did it, I think, what, four days ago, uh, the day after I watched Santa, uh, our, our tonight's movie, I, I went ahead and watched uh Godzilla Gigan. So yeah, oh. like I said, everyone has their thoughts on the movie. It's no one's favorite movie. And I'm not saying that it's my favorite Godzilla movie, not by any stretch. 20 years ago, maybe. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, but ultimately, it, it, it just, it, it holds such a major place in my heart just because of what it meant. You know, it's kind of like when you watch that, you know, for us, something that we can all relate to when you watch that first horror movie that really speaks to you, that, you know, shows you that movies can scare you, but they can still be fun. And, you know, whatever that movie was for any of us, for me, it was Night of the Living Dead, the original Night of the Living Dead. But yeah, Godzilla versus Gigan was my like initiation into creature features and kaiju in general so yeah it'll always be one of my favorite december watches <laughs> yeah yeah i remember when we did the review for that and you know that's kind of like one of those movies where i actually sat down and did a critical note-taking review on mm -hmm. when i was watching it. it it really hurt it for me on that you know i could still watch it fine oh it's true i still like i'll feel that nostalgic thing about it but it's like Oh, yeah. This is back in my head, like, oh no, it's coming back to me. <laughs> the, the, Christmas, the Christmas ornaments flying around that goes a little sketchy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I happily admit that it's not the strongest movie in the franchise, potentially one of the weakest, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because, you know, it's more about what it means to me personally. And, and yeah, that's why I wanted to bring that to and, the table. And Godzilla so you, smokes uh -huh. mad cigarettes in that movie. And Garris. Yeah, and I always like the tag team uh, movies, too. I always like when Godzilla's got a buddy or where there's a group of them, like a Destroy All Monsters, something like that. But yeah, um, for whatever it's worth, man, I don't even remember the year I first watched that movie. It had to be in the 70s. It would have been yeah, late 70s. 72. 78. Yeah, no, it came to America in 78. Oh, then I probably saw it in 78 or 79, because it was definitely before... 1980 when we got our first VCR that I saw it on WKRP or WKOP. Yeah, it came to America in 78. Yeah, nice. that makes sense. So, yeah, uh, uh, there it is, folks. Some of our yeah. favorite I, Christmas selections. Anything else? I actually, yeah, I actually just forgot one that I, I thought yeah. of when you were talking. Uh, mm -hmm. Snow Beast. Ooh, haven't watched Steve that in forever. Oh, Steve Sensen and fucking Clint Walker, man. Exactly. Good stuff. Absolutely. Hard, to, yeah, hard to come by. I actually have it on a multi-pack of creature features. <laughs> actually has a few shit copies of Gamera on it. Good old Mill <laughs> Creek. So Snow Beast never got a blue? Uh, I think it does now. I never picked it up. Oh, okay. I was kind of wary on it because it's uh, Fred Olin Ray's company that put it out. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> retro media or whatever. <laughs> oh God, yes, retro. I remember that logo on my old VHS tapes. <laughs> Very cool. All right, folks. Well. Um, we haven't even mentioned our feature review. Yes, tonight, um, as it is our Christmas episode, uh, we decided <laughs> to have a little bit of fun with this one. So we're not looking at like a classic creature feature that redefined or defined the genre, you know, a, a, during a classic period. We're going to go ahead and have some fun. We're bringing in our first schlocky, you know, kind of B or C movie, if you will. Today, we will be discussing 2018 Santa Jaws. So... I'm going to go ahead and play the trailer for you right now. And when we get back, we're going to talk about this absolutely stellar creature feature. Or am I lying? Hmm. We'll find out in a little bit. Be right back. Dun, 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 dun. I can't believe you would do this on Christmas Eve. You're grounded. What? Tomorrow is the Christmas Eve comic book party. Well, you should have thought of that before. Isn't that right, Santa Jaws? Folks, that was the trailer for 2018 Santa Jaws. This film was written by Jake Kiernan, directed by Misty Talley. It stars Reed Miller, Courtney Lauren Cummings, and Jim Clock. Our synopsis is as follows. Trying to survive the family Christmas, Cody makes a wish to be alone, which, which ends up backfiring when a shark manifests and kills his entire family. Uh, they just told us the whole movie, didn't they? God damn it. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, uh, man, this is a movie that uh, as you <laughs> anybody who listened to our last episode where we talked about 1954's Them knows that I just heard about this movie a month ago. I never knew that this thing existed until D uh, Don, I think it was, who mentioned it on the show. Mm -hmm. And I it, just the concept alone, without seeing a trailer or reading a synopsis, just hearing what uh, Derek uh, was saying about it or Dan, what Don was saying about it, I, I was absolutely sold. So here we are, folks. Episode four. We are looking at Santa Jaws. Uh, let's go ahead and start with general thoughts. Uh, Don, since you brought this to the <laughs> table, why don't you go ahead and start? <laughs> OK, yeah, Um this is one of my all-time favorite sci-fi channel films. This is a sci-fi original that aired during Sharknado Week. I, I don't remember the specific date. I think this was either Thursday or Fridays because it was one of the last ones. So, yeah, yeah, this was the one that premiered around um, Part 6, uh, The Last Sharknado. This mm -hmm. was uh, one of the films that aired for that. And it was, yeah, it was um, undoubtedly the highlight because uh, this is my... One of my favorite um, sci-fi channel originals. Uh, I I am just an absolute in love with uh, you know the schlocky shark films. That's sort of um, you know you know me. That's where my tastes lie. <laughs> um, but not only that, 
to me, one of my favorite things about this is the fact that it takes the concept away from the genre conventions. It's not a Santa slasher. It's not a Krampus on the loose. It's something different for the holiday season. And it takes that concept and runs with it. The family dinner party, you know, everybody's getting decked out for the holiday season. You know, you're having relatives over. You're trying to, you know, put on your brave face and, you know, deal with all of that. What's going on? You're trying to, you know, deal with your own stuff that, you know, every teenager can relate to. You have all that going on during the holiday season. And then all of a sudden now you've got this rampaging shark that not only is it just this supernatural beast that just eats anything in its path. It takes the holiday season and it even ramps itself through the the shark itself. Um, the <laughs> fact that there's, you know, ornament there's broken ornaments for teeth. There's you know trinkets for eyes. There's you know it's wrapped in Christmas lights and eventually there's um, other decorations that adorn the shark's appearance. But we'll get to that in a bit. Mm-hmm. But it wraps the holiday season into a shark, into a killer shark on the loose film, and I, I absolutely love that. You know, I mean, yeah, Santa slashers are fun. It's you know cool to have a Krampus film every now and then, but I want to see something different, and this is something different. It, it wraps its wraps its uh, influences on its sleeve very easily. This is uh, schlocky, goofy. Okay, let's just get this thing out of the way and get you know, stop this beast on the loose kind of a film. And I just, I have a blast with films like that. Uh, These are easily one of my favorite films. This is one of my favorite sci-fi channel films. And I'm probably even going to go so far as to say, this is one of the 10 best shark films ever made. Nice. And that's coming from a man who knows his shark movies, folks. So take Mm. definitely take that. Um, Derek, come on in here. What'd you think of Santa Jaws? First time watcher, man. Uh, man. Oh, man. We have a movie to talk about. <laughs> the thing that, you know, I was thinking about going into is like, how the fuck is this thing a real thing? Mm-hmm. But then the movie started. And I'm like, okay, I get on board with this. You know, magical, mythical pen brings this thing to life. Mm-hmm. Why not? You know, sure. and I like the aspect of some of this kid's comic book and, and, you know, even like the poster art for the movie that I'm looking at right now is actually a, the sketch from the comic book itself. It's actually mm-hmm. the cover of the comic book, which I kind of like that cool aspect about the movie. It revolves around comic book fans and a comic book store and some scenes. And, you know, I, I do love the aspect of Santa Jaws just being attracted to Christmas shit like <laughs> when the eggnog went into the water, I'm like, oh no, something bad's going to happen. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah, obviously a first time watch for me as I had never heard of the film before a month ago. And I will say I was pleasantly surprised. I will, I, whenever I see a movie with the title Jaws in it, I always think that it's just going to be awful. I just expect crap so that when I end up getting a halfway decent movie, I'm pleasantly surprised. Um, The opening scene is a weird one because 
the opening scene plays like even shittier sci-fi. Like it, the opening scene, if the entire movie would have been like that opening scene, it would have been not even good enough to air on sci-fi. But once you realize that the opening scene is actually a dream sequence, it makes perfect sense that the dialogue was terrible. The line readings were terrible. It was basically this this adolescent kid's dream on how, you know, Santa Jaws might come to fruition. So once I usually hate dream sequences in movie in movies to the point where I like hate them. Like I, like I I'll actually get in a bad mood when this one was revealed to be a dream sequence. I was actually very happy. I'm like, Oh, thank God. The whole movie's not going to be like that. Okay. You know, cause I can, I can take sci-fi Don knows. I love my Sharknados. I love my sci-fi movies. Um, but that opening scene, even for sci-fi would be subpar, but obviously, as I said, there's a reason for it. So right from there, from the opening scene, I'm already on board. Once you introduce a kid who has aspirations of being a comic book artist, again, that's even more interest for me. I was a uh, comic book collector as a kid. I also had aspirations of being a comic book artist. Unfortunately, I can't draw to save my life. So yeah. Uh, unless stick figure comic books were going to start coming back into you know popularity, I was never going to become a comic book artist. But oh, man, you can draw stick figures. So uh, but, yeah, the heads aren't perfect circles though. <laughs> I, I can't even do stick figures. <laughs> so yeah, so like I said, with with all of those things in those aspects in there for the setup, I'm already on board. Um, obviously, early in the film, uh, the boy gets a mysterious gift, a very ornate looking pen that's got some cryptic uh, writing on the cover uh, on the cover of the box, like the, on the top of the wooden box that the pen comes in, which is basically a warning. Uh, we find out later in the film that, you know, the text on top of the box is a warning to whoever to the owner of the pen and to, you know, kind of. Be careful what you wish for, you know, blah, 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 you know, that With kind of thing. Great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> there you go. Fuck it. Spider-Man's popular. So, yeah, let's go with that. But, yeah, uh, like I said, this entire setup I'm on board for. And then we get our first kill in the film, and I thought it was great. It's like, oh, that shark just, that, excuse me, that shark just comes out of nowhere and takes out Grandpa. I'm like, yes. This absolutely sets up the film perfectly for me. My biggest complaint about the movie is that the next on-screen death isn't for almost an hour after that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. we get a lot of like stalking, a lot of people maybe falling into the water and then disappearing. But as far as actual actual shark, you know, on-screen biting people, taking them down into the water, we don't really see that again until the third act. But they do ramp it up. Once we actually get to that third act and the shark is basically in rampage mode, we get a lot of shark action. It definitely makes up for the second act, which um, I forget who mentioned that. I thought it was Don that mentioned, you know, the mystery of the whole thing. Like, um, you know, wh where is this thing? Where this thing came from? You know, because obviously it takes them a while to figure out that it was the magic pen that kind of brought Santa Jaws to life. Because even the kid doesn't really understand. He's just like, holy shit. My creation, his original creation, mind you, um, it is now flesh and uh, wearing a Santa hat on its dorsal fin, which, I, I, I you know, again, w when I when I heard the concept of this, I'm like, there is no way that a Santa hat will stay on that goddamn fin. It's physically impossible. But well, it again, does. Yeah, but yeah. it does. But ultimately, again, we're talking about a comic character that came to life. So 
I'm 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 okay with sus- uh, suspending my disbelief for this one. That and it's that- lot, it comes <laughs> off a lot better than my original idea when I first heard about it is that it was going to be on top of the head instead of the fin. <laughs> I, I think it, it fares a lot better being on the fin. The oh, it really does because when he starts stalking and the fin is the only thing sticking out of the water, all you see is a Santa hat going like twenty miles an hour. I think it's, it's just hysterical to just see that image in general. So. And then, obviously, once you see the terrifying creature that's underneath that Santa hat, you know, the comedy kind of goes away if you're you know, it's kind of stuck in that situation. So, But, yeah, like I said, th- I do have some complaints. I-, I already talked about the second act being a little bit slower. It's definitely the-, the second act is definitely where they build up a lot of the character development. Um, you know, all these people's relationships with each other, blah, blah, blah. Not to say that it's dull by any stretch, not at all. Just don't expect too much uh, shark action in that second act. But it's still mildly entertaining. We, you know, we do still see people get taken out. It's just for the most part, they're, you know, either they dragged fall in the water, water. Or, or they're dragged in the water. Yeah. yeah. Nothing like that first kill with Grandpa just literally getting snatched off the pier like a goddamn yeah. fly. That was amazing. R.I.P. Um, Georgia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's another complaint about I have about the movie. And and this, this is a weird complaint coming from someone who lives in Southern California. But yeah, this is a Christmas movie, Santa Jaws, but but because it's based in Georgia, there's no snow. I mean, these people aren't even wearing coats. Like I think the thickest thing uh, uh our main character has a Christmas sweater on. That's like the thickest article of clothing in the whole movie. Most people are just wearing t-shirts and jeans and bras. Oh, and, yeah. oh, oh god, that one girl. God, I I, I hated the jerk. her. I, I hated the jerk character. off on her. Oh yeah, hey, I mean, I don't blame you. I mean, I, she's just one of those characters that's so easily hateable but so easy to look at, you know? It's like just stand there and don't talk. Just just don't talk and and that would be perfect. But and, but ultimately, I'm not speaking ill of the actress, just the character. I'm sure the actress is a beautiful, you know, kind woman, but the character she played is, you know, an absolute bitch who is, you know, uh kind of social media, you know, blogger. Yeah, exactly. And and just kind of addicted to her phone. And, you know, uh, the social media puns after a while did start to get to me, like all of her LOLs and just silly <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> Granted, this movie is three years old, so I'll give it a little bit of credit for that. It, you know, it's probably a little bit funnier three years ago, whereas now because we're all, you know, since we're all stuck at home and have been for almost two years you know, the, the Internet's kind of it just kind of I, I don't want to say played out since we all do everything we do on the Internet, but just Internet culture, I guess. And, uh, you know, social influencer culture and things like that. Like, I, I, it's just worn thin on me, at least personally. So when I see it in a movie, I tend to roll my eyes. But again, Santa Jaws is basically a parody. So I'm not, you know, um, having a caricature type character like that, who's just a vapid, unlikable, but incredibly pretty character. It does kind of harken back to, you know, days of 80 slashers, but, eh, you know, I'll accept it because of the silliness of the film. All right. Uh, and then throughout the film, I mean, we also we get multiple set pieces. We get like a, a drunk guy dressed as an elf getting, you know, snatched <laughs> by the <laughs> drinking no name beer. <laughs> oh, right. He was the one who had his legs cut off by that fucking boat. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty entertaining, actually, to see the two elf legs just floating in the water. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, like I said, you get multiple shark set pieces here until we get to the inevitable 
um, you know, confrontation at the end. I think that because this is a 2018 movie, I'm going to I'm going to keep it a little spoiler free. You know, much like myself, hopefully a lot of listeners are hearing about this for the first time and might go ahead and check it out. Uh, for anyone who is interested, uh, the movie is available for free on Amazon Prime. So if you got yourself a Prime account, it's right there on Prime Video for you to check out in glorious HD. So definitely check that out. You know, obviously, uh, we got to talk about the shark and some of the things that happened to the shark. I, 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 we got to talk about his fucking upgrade, man. <laughs> yeah, the fucking upgrade is he, he becomes he fucking narwhal. <laughs> the upgrade. <laughs> the narwhal candy cane. Oh, yeah. Lord. Yeah, that was, uh, that was the thing that I mentioned earlier about, um, like I said, I, the, the general description is a great white shark, but the teeth are broken baubles, like the ornaments that you hang on the tree. Yep. They're broken off to a point where they resemble teeth. Um, the eyes are like toys. They have like, um, they're like glowing toys. Mm-hmm. And the entire thing is wrapped in Christmas lights. So there's like bioluminescent lighting on like various parts of the body. Exactly. And, yeah. And then, you know, of course, then I mentioned the Santa hat on the dorsal fin. But <laughs> towards the end of the film, there's a sequence where they end up trying to impale it with a giant candy cane. And the thing gets stuck and dislodges part of it in its skull. And from that point on, the shark, as Derek mentioned, resembles a narwhal. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shark unicorn. Yeah. Sharkicorn. <laughs> Santacorn. Uses that and uses that to uh, impale people before eating them. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty interesting sequence too because um, this is this is when our main character Cody realizes what the pen is, realizes that whatever he draws with the pen comes to life. So he starts to think, well, what can I do to stop, you know, Santa Jaws? He still has the original drawing that he did with that pen in front of him. And one of the first things he does is to black out all the teeth so that the shark doesn't have any teeth. He figures if the shark doesn't have any teeth, it won't be that dangerous. But then that's when uh, we, we basically see a quick couple of shots of the shark swimming around with no teeth in his mouth. So he looks, you know, he looks fairly, you know, uh, docile, if you will. But then somehow a box of those Christmas tree ornaments uh, falls off one of the boats in the marina and into the water. Obviously, uh, if we haven't mentioned it yet, I think Derek mentioned it. But if we haven't mentioned it, uh, the shark is attracted to Christmas like items, be they decorations. It could be eggnog, music, yes, Christmas music, Christmas lights, all of it. So when when the shark sees this box or senses this box of ornaments fall into the water, he actually goes and starts chomping on all of them until the point where the broken pieces of the ornaments are his new teeth. And he almost looks more fucking terrifying than when he had his real teeth. So it's like, well, that was no help at all. (laughs) So then that's when he comes up with the idea of stabbing uh, the shark in the head with, with basically a giant candy cane. And it's kind of actually a good looking scene, too, because he draws the candy cane in the midair in midair in the picture. And then it literally just materializes in front of us in what is not a terrible looking effect, in all honesty. Uh, the candy cane appears in in midair above the shark and just drives itself into the shark's forehead. Unfortunately, it doesn't go in deep enough, as we've already mentioned. And now we have a shark going around. 
And of course, once that happens, you know at least one person's going to get impaled. It's pretty much a guarantee, and it absolutely and does happen. <laughs> check off candy cane horn. There you go. Yeah, I could explain with the kills. Mm-hmm. They get more savage near the end when they get closer to his immediate family members. That is true. Yes, I mean, um, I, I, I kind of. What's funny is I named our chat today Krampus Jaws because this movie does kind of feel that way in the sense that there is a kid who's kind of disenchanted with Christmas. Uh, he makes a wish. It, you know, obviously in Krampus, he just tears up his Christmas letter and says, you know, I wish my family would go away. In this one, the kid makes a, you know, kind of makes a wish that I wish I was alone. I wish I was just alone. I hate my family, blah, blah, blah. His older brother is like the jock. You know, he doesn't have anything in common with them. You know, his parents you know, don't seem to be kind of in line with him wanting to become an artist, blah, blah, blah. The usual stereotypes. Mom's and, super uh, cut, bitch. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, honestly, both of his parents are terrible. I know Dad is a little less terrible. He does come around more later in the film. But especially earlier in the film, you know, as I've said, you know, the whole thing with loved ones not believing each other in horror films is something that kind of wears thin on me. But at the same time, you live in Georgia and your 15-year-old son says he saw a shark. I can understand the disbelief, you know, the the skepticism, blah, blah, blah. So I'm a little bit more forgiving of it here. Oh, and, and then there's a, there, a little bit of a side story here where these kids kind of hang out at a comic book shop. Mm-hmm. And uh, our, ma- our, our main kid, Cody, the owner of the pen, accidentally drops it at the comic book shop. The comic book shop owner, who's kind of a swarmy <laughs> shithead type. I mean, I mean, he is comic book guy from The Simpsons, basically. Maybe a hundred pounds lighter, but yeah, it's hundred pounds. <laughs> well, maybe fifty. <laughs> but I mean, he's uh, you know, he's generally an asshole, kind of condescending. He's friendly to his customers because obviously they spend money there, but he's still very condescending and talks down to them. And you know, whenever they talk about their own art, he's like, "Well, well, have you seen what I've done? You know, this, you know, I, I just made issue, you know, number whatever, forty whatever of my of my comic, blah blah blah." So he's always trying to make people feel bad. Um, so anyway, this piece of shit finds the pen uh, he was privy to the conversation where they figured out what the pen does and basically a few minutes later uh cody <laughs> and his uh friends all come back to the store looking for the pen they realize that they dropped the pen at the store they get back to the store and suddenly uh, a comic book guy has this hot ass Russian girlfriend who doesn't speak English, which at first I thought was bullshit. I, at first I thought I, I, at first I thought it was like a hooker and that he just didn't want to tell the kids that it was a hooker. So he just said, you know, oh, she doesn't speak English. But no, no, he's being legit. There's a Russian supermodel named Svetlana that did not speak English. Uh, but then as the kids kind of look down behind Svetlana, they see under the counter that there is just a pile of cash, just, you know, wads of hundred dollar bills uh, just lying there. And that's when Cody makes the realization that, holy shit, he's been using the pen because uh, when they pulled up too, there was this great classic car, uh, classic muscle car parked outside that nobody recognized. And it turned out to be. Uh, the comic book guys. So uh, so we get that little side story, which is mildly entertaining. Uh, the end of that side story is kind of, uh, you know, derivative in the sense that, you know, yeah. they corner them at the water. They talk them into they 
They think they talk him into giving the pen back because they talk about the repercussions and how people, you know, real people are dying at the at the hands of a cartoon shark right now. So we, you know, we need that pen back, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then we get that weird confrontation where the girl that Cody's kind of interested in the next or the neighbor from across the street ends up tackling comic book guy and she's, able she's to the only get, one that has balls in the whole movie she really is even <laughs> even older brother is kind of a bitch in this like he you know he's the jock but when push comes to shove he's not exactly the most helpful guy in here um but yeah and like i said it all comes down to a final confrontation which you know i, I won't get into the actual finality of the film like i said in the off yeah. chance that anybody wants to check this out and i'm not necessarily saying that this ending is spectacular and should be experienced though i really did like when uh the the girl from across the street stabbed the shark's eyeball out i thought that yeah. was awesome because <laughs> yeah. it, it did turn out to just be a big christmas light like a big round christmas light type thing and, and yeah. with the candy cane stabbed through it it was just a cool image when that floated back up to the water and the shark's eyes in it i thought that was a pretty cool shot there's a there's a couple of decent shots in this movie it's not the worst cinematography once again it's all handheld camera which i'm not the biggest fan of but again it's sci-fi you know lower budget you know they got restraints to deal with so you know i i can deal with it um the cg i mean what can we say the cg is not great yeah. luckily uh, it's not on screen for that long you know yeah I, i'm used to it, it it's a it's an issue. Yeah, I can see other people not liking it. For a person that hangs out as much on their on that channel as I did at the time, I was used to it. It didn't bother me, but it's yeah. better. It's better than some of the movies from 2011 that we watched. Oh, valid. Oh, god. <laughs> Cabin in the Woods CGI looks uh, ten times worse than at, at times. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, uh, the thing is, though, I was going to say that sometimes the bad CGI actually gives the uh, the movie a little bit of charm because, yeah. you know, it's a low budget movie and you know that they did what they could with what they had. Sci-fi is not giving people five million dollars to make movies, you know, now, they, they were probably lucky if they made this for like a quarter million or something. I, I'm not sure what the actual budget on it was, but I can't imagine that even a million dollars is invested into this film. So they did no. what they could with it. And I always respect independent filmmakers that at least try. They try to put as much in their movies as they can with the budget that they have. And, you know, ultimately it made for an entertaining film. I'm not going to sit here and say that Santa Jaws is, you know, a great shark movie that is a must watch for all shark fans. Not at all. Um, but it is a fun ass movie. My wife and I watched it together. We had a great time watching it, just laughing at the insipid characters, the terrible decision making, um, the the absolutely useless parents that basically might as well not have been in the film. <laughs> but uh you know, ultimately, I, I enjoyed the film. Uh, whether it's something that I return to with any kind of regularity, I can't say that that's the case. Terrible. Not like the Sharknado Terrible. movies. I almost never go a month without watching a Sharknado movie. Don knows I bought that box set as soon as it came out, and, and it, it has gotten uh, some wear and tear, definitely. I've watched it I, as soon as he. <laughs> As soon as he told me about it, I picked it up myself. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had no idea that was even getting released. It's just out of nowhere. Suddenly yeah. there's a steelbook box set of Sharknado. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Um, That's what I'm saying. As soon as, he, as soon as I saw him pick it up, I was like, ooh, mine. <laughs> yep, exactly. All right. So, um, gentlemen, anything else you want to say about Santa Jaws before we take off for the holidays? 
Yeah, I I would actually I probably would rewatch this one during this time period. Yeah. Especially say if it's like a shitty day at work and I'm home. <laughs> you know, I, I need something to laugh at to get me in bed in a better mood. I could throw this on. It's yeah. probably a, it's it's probably going to be a lot better than any of those uh, you know Krampus rehashes that they're trying to pass off oh, as uh, oh, sequels. Oh. Ooh, Mother Krampus. <laughs> and yeah, no, you're right. Some of those are terrible. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I am a fan of Krampus as a character, like the actual legend of Krampus and everything else. So I, I'm probably a little bit yeah. more kind of like Don is more forgiving of certain shark movies. I'll be more forgiving of certain Krampus movies. Cause I still like the concept, oh. though. There are some Krampus movies where they totally fuck up the concept. They, they change the story and it, it just gets too convoluted for me. But you know, you when no it comes idea, to man, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but when, yeah, when we get a nice traditional interpretation of Krampus, then uh, I'm on board for that. So, so yeah, man, uh, I guess that's it for 2021. Again, folks, thank you so much for joining us. What can I say? We did four, four episodes in 2021, our first year in existence. Anybody who's listening to us, thank you so much for joining us. You have no idea how much it means to me that you're taking time out of your holiday season you know, even if it's for, you know, uh, just for a quickie show like ours, a quick hour, um, I absolutely appreciate the time and the listens. So I won't sit here and ask anybody for their money or for reviews on iTunes because I have never th- – that's not something that I podcast for. If it happens, awesome. If you ever feel the need to do it, rock on. But no, there is no Patreon, and I will never ask for reviews on uh, podcast uh, catchers. So – Again, folks, thank you so much. On behalf of Derek and Don, we wish you the best of holidays. Whatever you celebrate, may it be an absolutely awesome one. Keep up with those creature feature watches. And we'll be back in January. Uh, Not sure with what. You know, maybe we'll come back uh, to our classics, you know, go back to another classic, uh, you know, from early in the genre. Maybe we'll come back with a modern uh, creature feature. Who knows? But Like I said, on behalf of Don and Derek, I am Mr. Venom, thanking the hell out of every one of you. I can't tell you what it means. Folks, uh, let's go ahead and say good night and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody, and make sure you stay away from those shocker corns. (laughs) Happy holidays, folks, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) Adios, folks. Take care. Got to eat too.